Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, sunshines. You are listening to the Evolpreneur After Hours show, and I am your host, Christine Campbell-Rappin. I am on a complete better mission to help more entrepreneurs make a difference, navigate the messy middle of startup, growth, reinvention, and plot twists. Join me today. We're going to dig deep into the story of our guest, who's going to share with you some of the lessons learned, some concepts and strategies to help you fast track your business to success. Today's guest is Julian Vanderwall. He's got an incredibly intriguing background, I must say. He's qualified as a chef and restaurateur, but he's turned a sales guru. He spearheaded dozens of seven and eight figure customer acquisition campaigns for companies such as Optus, AAPT, Carantine, Surf Lightsavers, and Hearing Australia. He's trained a whopping 3,500 sales agents and built four national companies. He now owns a business He's all about scaling and building revenues through his unique techniques, his business experience, and he is the story of reinvention. Please give a very warm welcome. Julian, welcome to the program. Thanks, Christine. Thanks for having me. I am super intrigued by your background because it hasn't been smooth sailing. So you're a serial entrepreneur, but tell me what, take me back before the ups plot twists, the downturns, the reinvention, did you always imagine you would start out and run your own business? A uh, funny story about that. At school, um, when everyone was thinking, well, first of all, I wanted to be a fire truck when, you know, when, when you're a kid and people say, what do you want to be when you're older? I used to say fire truck, which I know is not possible, but what I see on uh, social media these days, maybe that's possibility in 2022, <laughs> maybe 2023. <laughs> I know. whatever. We could all identify whatever we want to, apparently. So, um, so yeah, maybe that's not too far from the truth. But uh, what I what I was thinking of and sort of daydreaming about in high school, um, year 10, 11, 12, was running businesses that I used because then I could get the products and services for free, but then also make money out of it. Um, and that was always something, you know, I couldn't see the point of paying four dollars five dollars for a coffee when you could own the coffee shop and get it for free or a hairdressing salon and you could have that for free so that was kind of always definitely think i've been a daydreamer most of my life and kind of very very big vision thinker and and in australia as opposed to america that's kind of frowned upon and you're and it's it's not really championed where where your thoughts and your dreams are, are possible let alone probable um, whereas in America, the thing I love about Americans and, and doing business in America is everyone's championing your business. And if you say that I'm the best or I'm going to do this, everyone's like, yeah, right behind you. And I love that. I love that culture. Whereas in Australia, it's very, very different, but, um, yeah, school was not really something that I was good at. I sort of tried pretty hard, but I saw no relevance in it. Pythagoras theorem made no sense to me, you know, a squared plus B squared. I'm like, when am I ever going to need this? So I, I didn't see the any relevance in the traditional education system, but I definitely, since leaving that, I definitely have spent a lot of time and a lot of money in personal development, you know, Tony Robbins and Grant Cardone and Jordan Belfort and just really finding, you know, those that are the best in their industry and success leaves clues and how can you copy that as best you can. So, um, yeah, that was my schooling day. So, but definitely not one that I ever thought was going to be a business owner or, um, I didn't even, uh, yeah, I didn't have a path to that white. Yeah, I didn't really have that sort of pathway. Um, I think 
so many people are accidental entrepreneurs. The real light bulb that went off when you said when you mentioned your story because it, I knew that there was a gap. I knew that I needed to get some education because you know success does leave clues. I'm a big believer in that as well. And if you started the journey of I've got to acquire the skills, I went. You ended up building a company for ten years, the sales arm of your business. Tell me a little bit about that journey because. You know, many people often take the approach of saying, you know, most businesses don't succeed in the first five years. Part of that I always challenge because I say, well, not every business is meant to live more than five years. Many times it could be a bridge for an employment gap or you start and fell out, but your vision isn't necessarily longer term. But you had a 10-year success before the current chapter. And I'm curious, how did you imagine that? And what made the decision for you to walk away from a business you had so long? Great question. So I fell into that after leaving the kitchen. We we sold the restaurant, uh, and I knew I wouldn't. I couldn't work for someone else in the restaurant because if you work for an owner, then you know, as as a head chef, you might be be hamstrung in regards to menu options. And and probably the only other option that I wanted to work on the Gold Coast when I was there was a restaurant that was a very very good restaurant that had five owners, and I couldn't see my imagine myself working for one, let alone five. So. <laughs> So, oh God, I can't imagine either. So I appreciate that. <laughs> so I fell into, I fell back into sales again. Um, I've always found being around people and what, what I loved about being in sales and what I didn't like about being a chef. So I didn't like the person I was becoming being a chef. You know, if you watch Gordon Ramsay Kitchen Nightmares, that's what it, that's what it is. It's very, very aggressive, very, very high stress. And, and the, and the language is, is that's normal, right? So that's how we ran restaurants. That's how we learned how to run a restaurant. Um, and I'm sure if I got back in it, I would go back to default setting and that's how you run it again. So, but I feel like, like, (laughs) yeah, here we go. Yeah. So, and with four daughters under the age of seven, maybe that language isn't ideal for home, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) I definitely not the aggression, but yeah, I feel like I I love people. I love being around people and all my life, I'm always being good with people. You know, my mom used to say at three years old, um, you know, you're always saying hello, man, hello lady in the shopping center at three. So, I, I find myself good with people, likability, um, and I think I understand people pretty well. Obviously, the technical side of understanding sales and the human psychology has definitely been developed over the last 20 years of doing sales, but um, yeah, people is where I like to be. But the funny thing is now that I'm sort of moved into so dealing with so many people, I find that I'm very introverted and I actually like to recharge my energy away from people, which is very, very different. So um but going into sales, you know, I, as soon as I started that sales role was to build a company, was to run a seven-figure uh, company and then to grow the organization across the country. That was the only reason why I started. It wasn't just because it was great comms or, well, actually back then it wasn't great comms. It was about $13 per sale, which to make great comms, you've got to sell quite a lot. You know, now I wouldn't even get out of bed for, you know, $1,000 a piece. So, but, um, you know, doing door to door for three years to build a company to learn how to train salespeople um and on commission only was a very, very good skill set to learn. Um and then built built a team big enough and I took that down to Adelaide, um, set up the company in Adelaide and then run that for ten years and we were the most successful company in, in South Australia doing what we did. Um, outlasted everyone and and trained more people than we've ever seen before. So that was three and a half thousand people that we trained over the last ten years in in sales. So, yeah, you could probably say that I've understand sales now, and I definitely understand how to train sales. 
I think that's an important one. I mean, that's, that's an interesting one. I got to tell you, the biggest gap I see with most entrepreneurs, because I work, of course, as a, I'm a business coach, and I work with a lot of early stage entrepreneurs or emerging entrepreneurs. And one of the biggest challenges, nobody knows how to sell. Nobody wants to sell. I don't know why we think for unicorns and they're just going to, you know, Kevin Costner, feel the dreams business and they will come. Yeah. That's they don't. Just just yeah. cold notes here, version audience, if you're listening. You're going to need to learn to love selling. Um, but, you know, you've built this business for 10 years. Why was it no longer the future you saw for yourself or your family? What had really changed to, to make that big decision to close it down? The biggest thing was the color, and I'll say this carefully, uh, was the color of people that we could recruit and that wanted to work in that industry. I felt that I outgrown it. I felt that I wanted to work with a bigger, bigger product, bigger products that were not. Now we were selling something that was worth, you know, two hundred dollars a piece. I was looking at sort of more high ticket sales. How can I sell something that's two thousand dollars? How can I sell something that's twenty thousand dollars? How can I sell something that's two hundred grand? You know, now we're looking at projects at seventeen million dollars in our solar company. So that's that is it's just the evolution of people. And I think you should always want to grow more and more and more. Last year, if you sold something for two hundred grand, you should try and sell something for three hundred grand. And if you sold something for three million, you should try and sell something for ten. Like that's just how the sales process works. But back to your point. And I do business coaching and consulting outside of this, which is a very, very, obviously, sales-heavy coaching um, program. Mm -hmm. And it's, it is so surprising on how little people put an effort into sales. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're looking at, that's probably why e-coms exploded, because you can put up a Facebook, you know, sponsor a Facebook ad, and people sign up or people buy your product, and, and you don't have to talk to them, and you have, have a cracking email sequence, and hopefully they buy. And you could basically take the customer on a journey and not even speak to them. And I think that style of selling is one style, but there is still a massive gap in the traditional everyday mum and dad business that needs to engage consumers. We're dealing with a very, very con uh, sophisticated consumer right now where they understand sales te techniques. They know feel felt found. They they understand why you're objection handling and they, and they understand NLP, right? So that you, you need to be even more sophisticated in your approach and more elegant and eloquent in your sales delivery to actually capture these consumers. But then when you deliver a heartfelt message and you, and you have a, a thought process and energy of service and trying to solve a problem, then sales is it's all over. It's, it's, that's, that's where the game is. Yeah, I think this is such an interesting thing. And in I know I read some stats and these are going to be loose. So please don't come after me, any little police who comes after me with stats. But, you know, they said, you know, they're actually e-commerce has boomed. But, you know, most businesses, and I'm going to say on the majority, still actually transact through dialogue versus posting on social media. Like if you can have a killer sequence, yeah, you can capture it as long as you have a big enough audience to start with. But you build an audience through conversation. And that is something that takes finesse skills, heart, all kinds of different attributes that you say, talk about, you know, that elevated elegance, which I think is a beautiful way to describe it. And as you, you know, assess your circumstances and go, you know, I, I'm, I'm successful at what I do, but it's no longer enough. I feel I still have mountains to climb. The world changed pretty quickly and you didn't have a success immediately after you, you closed your business down, you struggled for a while. Talk to me a little bit about what you learned about yourself in that struggle. Yeah, that was... Yeah, that was a good one. That that will go down in history as a as a as a pretty, let's say, a learning year. But at the time, it was horrible. You know, like I I closed Spartan Elite down, and we I walked away from it. 
Um, I probably should have walked away three years earlier because we spent about half a million dollars to keep that business afloat and, and you know, all the, all the profit that you sort of invested and in, made the three years before or two years before, uh, reinvested over the next three years and kind of, I felt like I lost a hunt, uh, half a mil, but anyway, um, it's, it was a half million dollar lesson. So, right. <laughs> You, you better learn that lesson. So, um, there's a few things tied up in that, in, in leading into it. I, I knew that I wanted to do something else. I was trying to escape out of that business. What I really should have done was just close the whole thing down in 2016 and sat on half a mil for a year and gone, okay, what am I going to do? What do I need to learn? Um, I'd probably tried that, that in between 2016 and 2019, I probably tried half a dozen businesses that all failed, um, trying to get myself out of it. Um, but I was still trying to run a business and keep everything afloat and then reinvesting all the profits back into something else. Um, whereas if I had have had all the free time to think about it and creatively, but in saying that those three years, I learned a lot about business and what not to do that. And that's unfortunately experience is very expensive, right? So, um, it costs you remind me of the quote, you know, you're not starting over again. You're starting with experience and then fits a hundred, you know, half a million dollar price tag of experience. That is a big ouch. But it's fascinating because I think it's so true and uh, that most of us look back and go, ah, oh, really should have cut the tie. And that might be either leaving corporate or leaving the world of restauranting. It could be, you know, we started a business that I've outgrown. I don't feel passion for anymore. And to give yourself the breathing room is so hard. And every time we look back, we go, why didn't I not just gift myself a bit of grace? a bit of um, decompression because I'm sure if you come out of that spin cycle, it's still trying to keep something afloat to try to create something new. You know, you're, I would imagine your battery isn't fully charged. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and the guys can feel the energy is moving somewhere else. So, you know, the, the guys that you're trying to advance through the company and help them get promotions and, and sort of create the success for themselves, they know that you're not really in it anymore. Um, your heart's not there. So, you know, sure on paper, it still looks like you're doing fine, but we could have been 50, 70, hundred percent better, you know, hundred percent better off. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, look, it's all lessons. It just cost me a hundred, half a mil to do that. There's guys that lost a hundred mil learning a similar lesson. So I got a pretty cheap, right? So <laughs> here in five, like, but I would say, what, what, what advice would you give? Okay, look back. What advice would you, if you were the business coach you are now, or you know the experience you have now, looking back, what advice would you have given yourself that you would have given and listened to? Um, just be careful with where your loyalty lies, um, and listen to the, why someone is saying something to you, especially if they're going to benefit out of it. Um, that's number one. That was the, that was the biggest lesson. Um, secondary would be what else could you do and how long could you withstand not doing something to find something else? Um, and then also it's just like the last probably five years, especially my network has really moved into a situation where the black book that I've got now is, is pretty solid like if we need funding if we need and it's just from trying new businesses the other the other interesting part about failing in business is that you learn how to set up a business and you learn how to bootstrap it from zero so you know i would say i'm the expert at setting up a company without any money at all because i've tried to do it so many times you know and and perfect example we we set up a solar company with seven thousand dollars and 
now it's a seven figure company looking into some really, really large projects that could change, you know, change quite a lot. So that, that turns it into eight, nine figure business pretty quickly. So, or eight figure business. Um, and for 7,000, two years later, you know, that's, that's what it is. Um, but you're allowed to brag. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I've got to bring the American to the table. You're allowed to brag. Yeah. Thank you. So, so yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest things, 2019, you know, probably, probably for three or four months I was on the couch and the best thing that I could do was move from the bed to the couch. And, and, you know, my wife said that the cleaner come around one time and I was still asleep and she came back at 4.30 and I was still asleep on the couch and I didn't even know the cleaner was there. So, so that was probably the hardest, you know, mental, and I'm still trying to be a provider for my family and we have no money coming in. I started to put it job resumes and running a million dollar company and I couldn't even get a job for 60 grand as a salesperson. I was like, what the hell? Um, and then fell into solar and did really well in solar. And then nine months later from never being in the industry before, which is a very complex industry, uh, someone approached me and we set up a company six months after that, I bought him out. And then three months after that, we took it national. So, um, do I feel like I've got all my groove back? Nope. So that's almost quite inspiring to think that you're not really a hundred percent healed from 2019 yet. Um, and let's be honest about it. You know, uh, there's still some pretty deep, deep scars and some questionable thought processes. Um, but in saying that, you know, now moving into the coaching, back into the coaching space, um, and that's that's where my fire is. That's where my love is. That's what lights me up. But I want to go to war with someone that has, you know, a patch on that runs into the bush with just like a, a sleeveless camo top on going, what the hell? But I want to be able to get, what is he doing? You know, nah, come with me. We're fine. Like I've done this hundreds of times. It's all good. Like, let's go. Okay. I feel confident around that person. And I, that's the kind of coach that I think I am. Um, whereas you've got other coaches that, you know, drop under the table at a pop of a balloon. So, yeah. um, that, that they, they don't have the scars. They don't have the experience. They, they, they come from a corporate world and they've never run a business before, but now they're coaching businesses. And they, I, I find that a very interesting space. And I've said that a number of times to different coaches where it's, that's not, they don't get entrepreneurship. I think the thing, you know, when we were chatting a little bit before we, we, we jumped online here is, you know, I think that the, the, the difference between those who define success on their own terms and, and is twofold. One, it's, you know, there isn't every day that's rainbows and unicorn. Being an entrepreneur is, is an incredibly rewarding experience. It's also an incredibly humbling one, because if you have had smooth sailing, your dreams aren't big enough and you're not pushed mm -hmm. in many ways mm -hmm. because, you know, you're, you're playing it safe. And and playing it safe is is not necessarily the you know the 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 best choice. It's not the only choice either. Um, but no matter how many times you hit the mat, you've got to keep getting up. And I think you know what your story shows, and certainly you know we have my admiration is the fact that I just always could bet on myself. You know, and there is that moment of I won't give up. Like I am down. I'm hurting. It is humbling when you've got you know your family looking to you to say, "Are you okay?" You're like, "No, I'm off the rails." But I'm also doing it in a public way and, and nobody can solve it for you because uh, there's a lot of that that is picking through your own, you're saying scars, it's picking through your own, where's my want, where's my fire, because nobody else will have that fire for you. And an entrepreneur who has that ability, and I love, 
you know, we share this in, in common is that the coaching that says, you know, the reason I'm a good thinking partner is the knives are still there in my back mm-hmm. or my knees are still scraped. And I learned a lot from that. And I will be the first to tell you, if you're looking for mentorship, you need somebody who talks not just the highlight reel, but some of the really humbling moments in the journey because you will have them. And if they haven't happened yet, spoiler. They're coming. They're coming. <laughs> it might coming. be around the corner. And I'm curious, you know, you, you've fallen into solar. You've now taken a business very quickly through scaling from that 7,000 to, you know, that big number. What has your experience taught you that made that scaling intentional and not off the rails? Um, it's just, look, putting a company together from, you know, a resource point of view, from a marketing campaign, building out the sales team is, you know, when, when I took over the company and if you watch the founder, the movie, the founder, that was my inspiration. So we, we didn't see, I, we, there was no alignment in what we wanted to do. He wanted to stay small. I wanted to go big. Um, you know, staying small in one state in Australia is, there's no point in running a business anymore. That's like so small. And I said, oh, I've got to get rid of this guy. Plus also, we were a 50-50 partner at the time. The the money that we were generating wasn't enough. So I had to get rid of him. <laughs> it was too expensive, right? Um, right, it's not about how much revenue, it's about how much you keep. And if you're splitting it by two, pay attention to your It numbers. wasn't working, right? It wasn't enough. And I was like, I'm going to do something here. So so yes, yeah, so the founder was an inspiration there. And it probably what the probably what has happened over the last few years uh, is I've become a lot more aggressive in my approach. Um, I've always been the really nice guy that, you know, went out of his way for everything. And I'm still that person, but I'm a lot more, um, without being rude or like, yeah, I'm a lot more aggressive. I'm a lot more strategic. Some might say cunning. Sure. But look, you know, do you think Donald Trump's not cunning? Do you think, you know, like, do you think Mark Cuban is not, cunning in a certain way where it's like okay how can I best maximize my opportunity here um so I think everyone has to find that inside when you it's not effing rainbows and unicorns and fairy floss like it's just not how it works so it's it's not a dog eat dog world because I think you need people around you that that you can really utilize their strengths and really grow a business together working holistically in a group and in a community. And I think that's super important. Your network is your net worth, right? So two things is your network and who's around you, but the network is the productivity that you do, the net outcome. That's where you got your money's going to come from. Um, but I think you need to be very strategic. You know, everyone around you is your competitor. That's just that simple. If, if you open up a restaurant, and next door is the McDonald's, and someone chooses to go to McDonald's over you, you're losing money. And I hate losing money. I don't gamble. I'm not a gambler. I hate losing money. So, so if I lose... That makes me think then. So so what is the door that you want to open next? Because if, if everyone is your competition and you are assertively looking to grow at a really expen- exponential rate, what's the next door you want to open? Uh, it's back in the coaching. I want to make sure that I can help other businesses sort of grow their dreams um and the gap that i see in the coaching world is that no one understands the technical side of selling or building a sales team or having your marketing message 
match what the sales guy is talking about. So everyone's trying to put an ad and hopefully someone that buys from that, but it's much, much deeper. So yeah. So the clients that I work with now are not necessarily startup, but obviously with all the businesses that we've had, there's definitely some fundamentals. I heard, what did I hear last night? Um, oh, we're watching some show on Netflix about money. It was like smart money. I think it was with my wife. And one of the, one of the coaches on there, she's like, there's no blueprint for setting up a business. I'm like, uh, there kind of is <laughs> like, there really is a blueprint to set up a business. Even though every business is different, there is a blueprint. You need to have a message that it's, you know, talks to your audience. You need to have a sales process that allows them to land somewhere and then you can take them through a process elegantly and then they sign up, right? There is a blueprint. You can't just go, oh, it's not a lemonade stand at the front of your house. Like it's. Yeah, I would agree. There, are, there are business fundamentals and it doesn't matter. The fundamental. And if you, yeah, if you sure. miss the fundamentals, it's hard to scale. You can, exactly. you can absolutely you do onesies and twosies, but if you're going to scale, yeah. you, need found, you need foundations, you need exactly. fundamentals and you need the mind game of where are we going? Why are we going? Why are they the right guide for the people we're being invited to guide? And do exactly. things drive your business? How many people do you know? Yeah. Are you making any offers? Yeah, exactly. And then the last one will be margins. You know, if you're selling something for $50 because uh, you made it yourself, fed it, t- cost you $35 to make it in regards to product cost, it's $15 and it took you four, four hours. That's like, you know, less than $5 an hour. It's, that's not a profitable business. So, so what I really help people doing is increase their margins, uh, really, really quickly. Yeah. Every business I've ever worked with, I've always put the price up instantaneously because people don't know how to sell a quality product with a good margin. Um, they think that if I'm cheaper, someone will buy it. And the race to the bottom is not the way to do business. You've got to add value and you've got to work out how the consumer sees that you are the most valuable product. Um, and how you can have the credibility to back that up. It's just that simple. So you, so you're giving me the vision of what you want to really shift in the door you want to open. What's the roadblock that's stopping you from getting there as quickly as you'd like? Uh, it's probably just having well, the same thing that I work on other people's businesses. It's a landing pad in the coaching space of what they get. So well, I've always, I've never had a program. We are developing a program now. We do have a seven steps and seven figures business course that we do. Um, but I've never had a real program per se. Like, what do we do on week one? What do we do? So that's what we're formulating right now. And the reason why I've never had one is because I've never believed that you sell a business coaching business on a program because every business is slightly different. What I'm learning now is that someone needs to know what they're buying, (laughs) right? Outside of what you know that we, what you can do for the business, they need to have a bit of understanding of like, what am I buying? What am I spending 40 grand a year for here? Um, and that, that's what we're working on at the moment. So that's the only thing that that's it. Okay. So paint me the picture as we, we bring this to a close. What does success look like one year from you, one year from now today, what does success look like on the coaching business, on your solar business and you as a person? It's yeah, still look, coming out of it. You said that. Tell me where, what it looks like. Yeah. So probably the biggest thing that we're working on is a little bit more time with the family uh, mainly the wife. I think the kids get a lot of to- our time, but the wife doesn't. Me and the wife don't. The wife and I don't. Um, we we want to move away in the solar business. We want to move away from sort of that residential, small residential market. We want to move into more solar farms and more grid connects and a lot more complicated program uh, products and projects. But they're, they're to me more fun. You know, we're looking at a mine site right now that's about $17 million. 
that's way more fun than a thousand smaller houses, right? So, um, so that that's what we want to move into that space and really sort of support the not only the environmental side of things. I think it's a no-brainer to do that, um, but really just to to leave a bit of a legacy for our kids and just to support that industry from a coaching space. Um, you know, we we really want to be targeting sort of our premium coaching is between that five to ten million dollar company. Um, someone that's got five or six telesales staff. Uh, we can really grow that that piece out. Someone that's got, you know, three to ten sales people. Um, and that's the company that that wants to grow from five to ten to twenty to thirty or to a fifty million dollar company. That's where we can help out the most. The only downside about that is it takes up a lot of my time. It's like a full time job. And these companies, even though you can turn them into, you know, four hundred percent growth, to charge them two hundred fifty grand for that, it's a very unique unicorn that you need to find to pay for that, right? Even though you know that that's what you've done for the last twenty years, um, and then sort of tier one will be or tier two will be that startup phase because there's a lot of things that you can do in the startup situation, uh, startup phase that can save you a lot of money, uh, and you can waste a lot of money trying to find the right resources for you virtual assistants marketing campaigns sales staff um, and really for the coaching business i want to get back into sort of that premium sales guy that will set up a recruitment company and we'll have the best sales guys in australia and if the guns for hire you know you need you need a campaign running we've got a gun for you and that's the sort of space that we're going to move into so yeah i love it so i'm going to say no that will be free <laughs> that's, that's the story of resurrection and i and i know uh you know i'm, I'm so grateful that you, you were honest in your journey of you know from where you start to not imagining to the reinvention to that i still have really big dreams and i see i see the destination and i'm excited to build well you have to have a destination you have to have a dream like it's tattooed on my back dreams family courage you know you gotta have a dream otherwise man dies pretty simple um and i think living a life of 60 70 80 90 years and not dreaming about something bigger or not experience things and having a, a life of regret near death that is just like just kill me now just <laughs> the, the, just it's just a waste of being on earth right well, let's there's so many you guys let's take the opportunity and run with it run with i can't it. wait to like, check in with you down the road and see how these three dreams are coming to life yeah I'm cheering for you very good. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're absolutely very welcome, guys. That's a wrap on another great episode, Eve of Allpreneur After Hours. But before you go, a couple of things. If you like this episode, we would love to see a five-star review. And if you are thinking, hey, I've got a great story to share on my journey of reinvention and life as an entrepreneur, consider applying to be one of our guests. Take a look at future episodes at Evolpreneur After Hours. Until next time, if you an entrepreneur, make a start and go after your dreams. There's no point sitting on the sidelines. Be bold, strike gold, and go make it happen. See you guys soon. Take care.